millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I had Ollie on back in yeah. December. Ollie Barton Wood. Yeah, I watched it. I mean, listened <laughs> to it. Um, yeah, that was really cool. He's so great. Yeah, he's a very kind of genuine, wholesome guy. Very, very cool guy. Very much so. It's funny because I, I was kind of listening back to a wee bit of it yesterday before we started this, just the kind of parts about where we spoke about your EP. And mm-hmm. because I've been doing so many of these, I was kind of shocked at how badly I had edited it <laughs> in terms oh. of the sound. And it, yeah. it, it kind of got me thinking because one of the things that's so great about your music is that you find a way to take imperfections and kind of work them into it and use them in a really positive manner. That's cool. When you're working on music, how do you know when an imperfection is going to intrude and how do you know mm. when it's going to add to it? I think it's hard to tell because I think it's just difficult to know how people will perceive things. I think as well, when you're creatively involved, I think you always do, I think, view something differently to someone who's not been a part of that creative process. So I think, to be honest, I've, I really struggled with the whole rawness of, of the... Um, record at first um just because I'd never really obviously gone through this process before and I think in my head I had all of these insecurities and kind of uncertainty uh, uncertainties kind of floating around to the point where you know it, it does take a lot or it took a lot for me to kind of just let those um flaws I suppose be as they were because I think how a part of me did know that ultimately it really did add to who I am as a person and who I am as an artist and, and the reality of me, which I think is kind of, it's not always easy to accept imperfections. So it did take a while to kind of go, you know what, let's, 
let's really roughen it up a bit and not have that much reverb on the vocals and not have all this vocal layering to kind of disguise me, I suppose. So I think ultimately that the whole process was quite actually challenging and it wasn't really something that I knew every time there was an imperfection. I was like, oh, that's really great. I was actually more just like, oh, oh, this is so scary, but it's, but it's, it's cool. (laughs) Was, was that something that, because you've recorded a few times before, but you hadn't put stuff out when you'd gone into a studio previously, was that stuff that had kind of been ironed out a little bit? I mean, maybe at the time I thought that, but probably if I listened back to it, I'd probably think, oh my goodness, I I don't sound too hot there. Um, but I mean, probably, yeah, I, it was never really a goal of mine in the past to create something that was as raw and spacious as I think this EP is, um, I think. Yeah, that was never really something I was striving for, I think, until fairly recently. Uh, I think that probably came with just a kind of general change in taste of music as well. When you went into the process, where was your kind of headspace at? Did you know by that point that it was going to be a little bit more raw or were you still very much thinking about it was going to be a little bit more cleaned up than it ended up being? I think I got a wee bit overexcited (laughs) would probably be the right... Yeah, the right way to describe my mindset. I was uh, just experimenting. Like I just was through everything at it, you know. I ultimately knew and came to the conclusion that it, the way that it turned out was the way that that felt right. Um, But I think I had to go through that process of trying to, I think it's easier to like put everything there and then take things away and kind of, what actually needs to be here? What 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 do I enjoy most about this, and what what's just kind of there for the sake of it, rather than I, I quite like like that process as opposed to uh, trying to be extremely minimal from the start. But I don't know. I I've only like I said I'm quite. That was one of my first times going through it, that process. So I think I'm still figuring out how I want to do things in the future. That kind of works nicely in parallel with the lyrical themes, though, because a lot of the CP is about kind of finding things out and kind of looking at your identity and unpacking aspects of it that you maybe hadn't previously. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of you've mirrored yeah. that almost in the recording process of it. Yeah, I think I think ultimately that's why I came to the conclusion that it should be that way. I think I had a lot of insecurities about being another kind of sad singer songwriter type and wanted I felt like a wee bit of pressure to make something maybe a bit new and different and I think often when you overthink things and try too hard to be something um, it ends up actually doing the opposite (laughs) it certainly wasn't what I envisioned at the start but I'm very pleased that it it turned out that way. When does an idea become a demo? Like, when do you categorize like a melody or a lyrical thing that you've come up with? When does that, at what point will you put the demo sticker on it and kind of categorize that as a, an initial kind of version of a song? Um, usually as soon as I record it on my phone, um, all the demos that we send back and forth to the label and management and everyone else in the team are always in iPhone form voice note 
form. And I think that's mainly just for kind of continuity, you know, like this is the bare bones of what we're working with. So yeah, just as, as new as that really. But I think, yeah, just general structure um, rather than, you know, I've got tons of voice notes on my phone that I wouldn't say were a demo just because they're 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 literally just one line or two lines or something. Um, but yeah, that's most of my demoing is is just on, on my phone. And then sometimes move to GarageBand if I'm feeling adventurous. <laughs> well, will you ever write anything down or do you always record it? Like even if you're saying that you've got a lot of kind of just single lines. I sometimes write lyrics down. I, the number of times I've written songs and I don't have a record of the lyrics anywhere is quite uh, crazy. I just I just remember them. <laughs> so I do. I have tried to get into the habit of writing um, things down, but it's actually not really something I do very often. I did when I was wee when I I had my I decided right that's it. I'm going to be a songwriter. So. I'm going to write a song every day this week and I wrote all the lyrics out in, in that book. I've still got that somewhere. It's just honestly atrocious. But um, <laughs> that was the first time and probably the last time I decided to write <laughs> songs down. That's Wow. So how long will you go before you commit it to voice recording then if you're saying that you can just keep it in your head? I suppose that is the, that is the way I end up remembering them is yeah actually now that we're saying that it's not that I just have a photographic memory it's probably because that is my form of writing lyrics down is just recording it onto a voice note and then listening back um hundreds of times I don't ever find myself trying to remember my lyrics when I'm singing them it just feels quite natural but I think that's because I'm just listening to stuff back all the time or just jamming it with myself so I don't feel like I go through that process of having to remember my lyrics but it will be because of that I'm just listening back to it on my phone all the time. Do you think it's because it, it's coming from such a raw place is that's kind of is that also what's allowing it just to stick like that? Maybe and maybe just because you know sometimes I don't know if you find this when you listen to lyrics you just don't really know what someone means by that or it could mean multiple things but I suppose only the writer knows what that means and knows it on a deeper level so that it kind of does just stick a wee bit more it makes more sense and probably just easier to remember just more natural I suppose do you get a sense of that a lot when you're committing them in the studio do you know exactly where every line and what it kind of relates to and are you kind of brought back to a lot of experiences when you're during that process yeah yeah I definitely yeah, I mean, every line has comes from somewhere, you know. I, it always means something to me, even if it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it could, you know, sound like total rubbish to someone else, but I think it's somewhere deep within me, it makes sense <laughs> in some way. Um, and yeah, there are some songs where there'll be random lines that I, that maybe don't feel like they fit in with the narrative of the song. It has a very specific meaning. And, you know, there's a couple of lines throughout one song that have different meanings rather than it being a continuous um, kind of story, which I've been doing a wee bit more of uh, recently, trying to keep the songs more concise with with what they're about. Because I think sometimes my brain has a habit of going off in a million directions when I'm writing and, oh, I feel like this about that, but I'll also feel like this. But, but, you know, the... That was um, Always Lovely, for example, is like the oldest song on the EP. And that's definitely one that I feel 
is lyrically like a, a wee bit jumpy. Um, whereas I think the other ones have more of a story um, that you can kind of follow. Does that change the catharsis you get from it though, when every line kind of carries a different meaning or it's related to a different experience? Yeah, there's a, I suppose a different kind of feeling that I get from singing that song, to be honest, compared to Seamless, for example, because I feel when I wrote Always Lovely, I was trying to avoid being clear and open about multiple things I was feeling at the time um, by using lyrics that weren't very on the nose. I still connect to it in in a big way, but it's less um, exposing, I feel, compared to Seamless, which is more, this is what this song is about and now everyone knows about it. <laughs> Do you almost connect to it in a different way though? Like you connect to the fact that you were at a place where you couldn't, you know, fully be open instead of connecting what you're writing about, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And because my my brain, obviously, when I wrote the song, was jumping about and there were different meanings throughout the song. So, you know, when I'm performing it, it's kind of the same experience. You know, the last kind of chorus of Always Lovely always is the most impactful bit for me and, and... sticks out as a almost like um when I'm performing at the kind of peak of the song where I'm really connecting with it and I'm unsure why that is I think it's because in my head it was a very very clear image of what that bit of the song was about and that probably connects to you know me and I do think the lyrics are probably more uh, on the nose at that point as well just saying always lovely feeling pretty enough for you kind of thing it's it's more obvious I think what I'm saying there. Is that the clearest image you have out of the whole song? I think so. I think that end section and um, the kind of choruses are, you know, the, the meaning behind them is, is more crystal clear, I suppose. Do you feel the headspace changing slightly as a result of that when you're performing it? Yeah, yeah, totally. Transported back to being, I don't know what I was, 19? totally insecure and uh yeah a bit all over the place (laughs) which makes sense do you feel like you have a better understanding of yourself now well i think probably similarly to a lot of people this past year has brought up a lot of things that god knows if i would have you know addressed them if, if the pandemic hadn't happened i presume i would have addressed them eventually at some point um but it's just kind of yeah this kind of space and time to think that everyone's had recently or at least like you know obviously a lot of people I think I've still got a a wee bit of a way to go with that but I think so I think so there's I think I definitely have made progress from when I wrote the EP and even from when I recorded it I think I have but yeah it's been a bit of a crazy time (laughs) maybe nobody will have midlife crises now we're getting it all at the way at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Get, just get it out of our system now. Do you think that's why you've maybe moved toward clearer songwriting in some ways, though? As you kind of start to understand yourself more, is that like, you know, you were saying that some of the stuff you write now is a bit more, I can't think of the expression, less subtle almost. Yeah, I think I, I've said a couple of times now that I find that 
just being quite direct and quite honest is quite a scary thing but but also I, I get a lot of strength from it as well um you know and singing songs and like that in front of people and then realizing oh I'm I'm still alive I'm I'm not dead <laughs> this is this is great <laughs> um yeah I get I get a lot of comfort actually from being able to express myself in that way yeah I'm very grateful to be able to have that and to even have a small number of people listening it's kind of yeah it's nice always lovely as well that was recorded by candlelight right um, it was um, fairy lights. Fairy lights. <laughs> yeah, um, they're fairy lights that we have in the living room that my mum put up one Christmas, I think years ago, and we realised that they actually just make the room. So <laughs> they're now going to be an all year round kind of feature. Like when you're choosing what points in the recording process you're going to tackle a certain song or a certain part, mm. are you thinking about how the environment at that time will relate to kind of the message of the song? Or what you're wanting to convey with it? Yeah, well, that was kind of why we wanted to do it. Well, why I wanted to do it at home was to kind of just have my surroundings impact me in a positive way, which would obviously impact the music in a positive way. Um, with Always Lovely, I knew that we would be recording it in one take, which stresses me out all the time you know <laughs> I just um I had to mentally prepare for it basically and I think yeah just dimming the lights having the fairy lights there I think it was I can't remember if the take we used I was just in the room myself or whether Ollie was there as well um I just knew that that was coming so we kind of didn't want because everyone knows that I get a bit uncomfortable recording so everyone was like let's not talk about always lovely really and when we find a moment to do it let's just do it and and like <laughs> not kind of yeah and for me not to anticipate it too much but of course I was anticipating it so yeah just making the environment a wee bit more dimly lit and nice I think was helpful. Is that spontaneity that you're kind of speaking about there you know where you're just you're going to try and grab a moment to record it is that something that informs quite a lot of the decisions you make on the during the recording process? I think so. I think the whole process was quite relaxed that way. Are we going to do bass just now or, you know, we can do that or can we get this guitar off this person? And I don't know, it was it was all like fairly spontaneous, but not not relaxed in, in the sense that, you know, we were lazing about and not we did have some structure, you know. Yeah, sometimes we'll just be like, oh, I actually feel like recording this right now or I'm, I feel like I need a cup of tea right now. So I'm just going to leave the room and come back and maybe do vocals if I feel like it kind of thing. How long did you record for? Uh, we had 10 days to do it, I think. We ended up doing it in eight or nine days, but the first day was just setting up the studio. That's pretty good for, so that's basically seven songs in seven days. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of them we did that uh, ended, we ended up needing to re-record because I had um, <laughs> company car. I had this vision of doing uh, like a mad guitar solo in it. And um, I quickly uh, realized later on that maybe that wasn't the, intended version um that needed to be released into the world so i ended up recording that 
with Kyle, um, Edwin Organ. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, so I recorded that in his bedroom and um, Ollie mixed it. So, but we still, yeah, we still did all of those songs in that time. How long after did you kind of realize that you were going to need to redo it? Probably a couple of weeks, maybe months. <laughs> uh, yeah, it actually did take a while to get that one to a point where we were all happy to go with it. Yeah, so that was the last track to be completed. It's funny you have a song called Company Car on it and you had a breakdown during the middle of the recording process, didn't you? With the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you meant mental breakdown. I was like, yeah, how did you know? <laughs> so many. Um yeah, no, <laughs> with Ollie in the car, oh my God, I was low-key mortified, but also very pleased that he was there to push the car up the hill. How steep um, a hill? Do you know Cross Maloof no. in Shawlands? Uh, no, nah. um, wasn't that steep. I mean, it was steep enough, you know, it would roll back <laughs> <laughs> um, into the traffic behind us. But some other guy also came out of his car and helped Ollie push it up the hill while I was just sitting steering (laughs) (laughs) at the front. (laughs) Oh God, it was awful. How come, if this was during the recording process, where were you going? I thought you would have kind of been in the room pretty much nonstop. Yeah, um, I was getting a guitar because of lockdown, actually. My guitar, I ended up, my acoustic guitar that I usually use um, was in a friend's studio that I couldn't get access to. So I had to borrow someone else's. Uh, James, my the the chap that plays guitar for me in my band, I, uh, I just went. We're going round to his to get um, his. I think it was a twelve string, but it had uh, it didn't have twelve strings on it, um, and that was the guitar we used for Cubicle. So actually, the guitar I usually perform live with doesn't isn't on the EP. So interesting fact, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> um, yeah. Does that change things a little bit though? You know, we were kind of speaking about how you're recording at home and stuff to try to make this such a comfortable process, but then there's always going to be curveballs like that that are thrown at you where things happen that you don't expect and you're kind of forced to deal with these challenges. Yeah, as well, because um, I I needed that guitar, well, I thought I needed the guitar to, to do Always Lovely as well, because that's usually the guitar I play it on. Um, and because I didn't have access to it, I ended up using the nylon string that I have that I bought years ago when I first started playing um, as a solo artist. I thought I needed a guitar that was easier to finger pick with because I just could not find an acoustic guitar that felt easy to play. And I think I, you know, I just wasn't coming across many great uh, acoustic guitars. Yeah, so I bought that nylon Ibanez um, quite a few years ago, never expecting to actually need it or use it for this recording but we ended up using it and I think it sounds it's nice to have a bit of variation actually that maybe we wouldn't have had you know if those obstacles weren't weren't there did you write always lovely on that I wrote no I think I, I wrote it on on my acoustic that isn't on the EP um I think I wrote probably most of the songs on that guitar and it's not not on the EP funnily enough is that what tribute was written on yeah Oh yeah, yeah, no, actually that is the guitar. The guitar in the tribute recording, um, iPhone recording, is the one that I usually write and perform with. But I didn't have it <laughs> during the, the recording process. How long after writing tribute did you record that demo? I think it was the same day. 
Wow. It really does feel like, I think me and Ollie spoke about it as well, it's like capturing a song right at the moment as it's kind of being born into the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, I always um, really love going back to demos when I first write it because I just think the way songs develop over time without you really realising it, uh, just the way you, you perform it and the way you play it, does gradually change and it's interesting to go back of how uh, and see how it was originally intended so I kind of like that that's the version that is out there because I think even now I, I probably do play it slightly differently in what way just vocally phrase things sometimes it can be slightly different I can change like the melody a wee bit but not not too much it doesn't take it too far away but I think if I was to go into a studio now and record tribute, I probably would feel really uncomfortable about it. I think just the version that's that the iPhone version is the version that I like listening to. Yeah, I don't really want to know what it would sound like if I recorded it now. <laughs> it's interesting that you're saying you quite often go back to those demos to see how the songs have changed. Was that something you did before you went into recording? Did you kind of go through and listen to all the demos? Yeah, well, the um, the demos that my management were looking at and the ones that we were sending to the label, uh, Chris McCourt, were all kind of very early demos of the songs, which was something that I had to be quite conscious about as well because obviously, you know, that's the version of the songs that everyone's hearing. and But naturally, the way I've come about playing them is quite is actually quite different without even realizing it so that was quite interesting trying to like what do you call it it was a a bit of demo-itis going on (laughs) I think (laughs) happens (laughs) you kind of you bring some of the yeah you kind of bring some elements of the demos in I'm trying to think it's on been thinking about you isn't it you've kind of got the screams and stuff that you take in from the demos Mm, yeah that was one of the demos I just did on garage band just myself and I was you know left to my own devices screaming into a mic and I just ended up liking the tone of them um and I think Ollie did as well so we thought let's just stick them in is there some laughing on there as well yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that was actually Ollie that captured me laughing at at one point and thought it sounded kind of (laughs) cool kind of edgy just gives you a sense of the atmosphere i guess doesn't it yeah i like it i kind of like that sounds i like the way that my laugh sounds which is so strange because i hate my laugh so the fact that we we captured this one moment in time when my laugh is kind of like i don't know cool (laughs) (laughs) but yeah get that in get a record of that (laughs) how uh is that a similar thing that opens cubicle i think you kind of have some noises at the start of that. It's almost like room tone, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and Ollie's speaking at the start as well. What's he saying? He's saying, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, over the top of um, a tape recorder track. Did we record it? Ollie, Ollie sent me a tape recorder, which was really, really lovely of him, just because I liked the sound of them and... Um, we thought maybe we would use aspects of that on the record. So there's that kind of tape recorder sound at the beginning of Cubicle as well, which probably makes it sound kind of demo-y. Demo-y. <laughs> it kind of comes back to what you're saying as well about you know the guitars, where you like the fact that not everything 
sounds the same on it you're kind of bringing in these different textures it's a similar thing it's kind of just broadening it out a little bit and adding something different into the mix especially when you come to the last song it's kind of quite difficult to do that mm, yeah well, i'm glad you think so <laughs> <laughs> that was that was written after a night out right yeah <laughs> i remember speaking to stuart from van ives once and he was saying how he all, mm-hmm. he quite often writes when he's hanging because it's a way of kind of purging mm. those like the fear basically is that a yeah. fair assessment do you kind of feel the same way yeah i think so it was a a roller coaster of emotions that it was one of those songs actually i wrote and i thought this is never going to see the light of day because i was being really like i don't know maybe snobbish isn't the right word but i was just like oh my goodness i'm just i just need to like get my feelings out over a siad 9g d kind of (laughs) progression just for a second like let me have this moment (laughs) and um I recorded the song just into my phone and sent it to management um, and then uh, I just completely forgot about it. I didn't think about it again and then they were like, this is this is a tune by the way and I was like, that's so strange. I never even, I think that was the, pre- not prejudice, that's the wrong word but I think it's like insecurity of i don't know sometimes i'm not always the best judge of what um do you just think it was too simple like what you were saying there about the chorus yeah yeah i think so i think so i felt embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) which is so silly just totally silly so that's kind of what works about it though the fact that you put down those simple Mm. chords and then you sing quite a mix of complicated emotions atop of it Mm -hmm. yeah that's why i like it now and i definitely don't feel that way about music anymore i think we're often taught that there's good and bad or kind of music that's simplistic is you know and pop music and stuff like that i think there is there is a bit of a stigma in certain music circles perhaps about stuff like that so i think i had it ingrained in me a little bit that oh this is too pop this is too cheesy this is too this that and the next thing i think the quicker we get over that kind of attitude the better can you see that happening i don't know because it's not everyone thinks like that i don't know maybe i'm just projecting my my feelings and kind of insecurities that i've had rather than what everyone else thinks because i I don't really know if other people feel like that is it just music people that think that way do you think Uh, yeah well i think maybe music fans maybe intense music lovers might have some thoughts about things like that i don't know People should just, if they like it, they like it, and that's great. I think it, just with that song, I did I did quickly dismiss it because I thought it would be seen as too poppy or too cheesy. I don't know if other people have had that experience or not. I'm, I'm maybe just talking into a void, but yeah. Uh, well, the, the experience you kind of talk about in that song as well, I think it's almost about not knowing someone anymore. You've got that line about the stranger and how someone's mm-hmm. a stranger again. Mm-hmm. Was that? triggered by a specific experience or is that kind of a collection of feelings coming together that results in this kind of realization no that um it was it was triggered i suppose from a very specific um experience but i suppose you can have that kind of experience with a multitude of different kinds of relationships but in this it was a you know romantic uh, relationship that kind of feeling before you get to know someone of not quite knowing someone and then all of a sudden, no one knows you better than this person. And, and when that relationship comes to an end, it's almost like 
oh, I feel like we've gone back to the beginning in a sense, even though I, I knew all of this stuff, but it, now that we're in this different space, it doesn't, um, it almost feels like I don't know all of that stuff that I've just learned. Feels like a different you. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You mirror that in the song as well. Like if you look at how that song begins and how it ends, it's almost unrecognizable at the progression, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, it starts, do you mean, because it starts quite stripped back and, yeah. and, and then, and yeah. Yeah, I think that was a bit of a release moment for me when I wrote the song and also the song musically itself, I think on the EP, it, it, there's a bit of a release there. I don't know if, if other people feel that, that have listened to it. It's like an explosion. Yeah, just kind of like, okay, this, this, I don't feel bad right now. I don't feel necessarily good, but I'm feeling something. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm, I'm letting go. There's a weight lifted, I suppose. Is that often the headspace that kind of triggers songwriting as well sometimes? I don't feel bad. I don't feel good. I just feel something and I need to, is there almost a frustration that can come from that that kind of pushes you to write? Yeah. Well, some, something that Tom Petty said once, which kind of resonated with me, was that he had to always kind of wait until that feeling had passed um, before he could properly write about it, which I thought was interesting. I think I've been definitely in that situation, but also I've definitely written as well when I'm in the, like, very much in the middle of something. <laughs> and um, having that comfort of, being able to vent those feelings in some way when you're feeling it. But I do think there are certain topics which I think are easier to write about after you've experienced them and you come out of a more in a, a different kind of more balanced headspace, I suppose. I think it, de- it depends what it is, you know. Do you, have you noticed like any patterns in the songwriting itself from the songs that you write when you're in the midst of something and those that you write afterwards upon reflection? I think the tone is maybe sometimes different. I think maybe, for example, Seamless and Cubicle are, are really written about the same thing, even though Cubicle was about one night in particular, but it, it was more to do with my feelings surrounding the same situation, a breakup, essentially. And um, I think you can hear that Seamless is very much a... I'm feeling kind of shit about this right now and I'm writing about it right now. Uh, Whereas Cubicle, I feel like has a kind of more reflective tone to it. I think as well with Seamless, it feels like you're more writing to someone, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's more writing at a person than Cubicle is. Mm. Yeah. Is that just the result of them kind of consuming your thoughts more so when you're in the middle of it? Well, I think maybe actually Cubicle is kind of worded directly towards someone the whole time as well there is just a very very different tone to it I think yeah because it is more yeah for example in seamless when I'm saying oh I still have your clothes I'll be wearing your jumper kind of thing it's I'm I've not this person is still very very involved with me emotionally whereas in cubicle I'm, I'm literally saying oh I don't know you anymore so I think that kind of shows the difference, the, 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 lyric, the lyrical difference between those two. Are you aware of that link in the moment when you're writing it? Can you see? No. No, no, not at all. It's just literally a lot of what I've been talking about. It's just, <laughs> they're just coming to me right now, spur of the moment. 
um, not all of it, but uh, yeah, I, I think now that we're talking about it, it, I can see that. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of draw these connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is it is actually quite interesting. Why did um, why did you bring in Jessica for Seamless as well? Um, so I was looking to just uh, get into more writing sessions generally, and I think Jessica was the second person I'd ever written with. You know, like a, a complete stranger. I'd, I'd um, written with friends, but um, I hadn't met her before. It was an accident, really, that we we ended up writing a song that ended up on the EP. It was quite a difficult process for me, really, um, because the style of writing was more, what's the song going to be about? It came from that angle rather than another writing session that I'd had that week was, how is this song going to sound? Which I think is two different approaches. So I think the song I wrote with Jessica just kind of lyrically and sonically fit with what we were trying to do with this EP. You get Ivan in there as well. Yeah, he's also with me right now, uh, sitting quietly next to me. I can hear him. <laughs> can you? I heard him me out there, yeah. <laughs> Have uh, Did you live in the same house the whole way growing up? Yeah, um, we moved about a bunch um, when I was before the age of four. And so I've been in this house since that that time, four, five. Yeah, kind of adds to it then. You've yes, kind of got all these, yeah. these experience, you've literally got all your experiences there. Do you have any memories from before <laughs> four? <laughs> yes, actually, I do remember some of the other um, flats that we lived in, all kind of south side of Glasgow as well, that I still walk past um, quite regularly. So actually, I do remember them, strangely enough. But yes, pretty much all of my... Every emotion that I could feel <laughs> has been felt in these walls. <laughs> um, so, yeah, whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. <laughs> I'm curious what you remember about the places previous to it before four years old. Is it just kind of images or is, is there like actual memories and experiences? I do have quite specific memories. <laughs> do you want me to share? I don't know. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> I remember my fear of Santa Claus really kicked in one of our old flats. Uh, I think it was a Tweenies episode and uh, it was the Christmas episode. And um, the way they introduced Santa, I thought was totally outrageous, took me by surprise. And um, I just remembered this image of, I was screaming and running down this really, really narrow corridor, red walls in this flat. And I just have a very vivid memory of hearing ho, 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 like Whoa. behind me while I'm running down this corridor. It's quite traumatic. I think that's where I, my fear of burglars um, actually stems from. Oh, why am I talking about this now? Um, but yeah, I always thought the concept of Santa Claus was creepy and I did not like it. Well, it's someone breaking into your house. Yeah, absolutely no way. <laughs> no thanks. Do you still have a fear of burglars? Yeah. I think that is one of my biggest fears. I've thankfully never had to go through that. I just, yeah, that is one of my biggest fears. I've actually written a few songs about it (laughs) that might be coming out soon. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's so silly. Are they tapping into that idea specifically or is it more just looking at the emotional fear? I have been thinking about this quite a lot recently and where my 
fear is really coming from because I, I really do have a, a, a big um, fear of intruders. I also have an obsession with uh, zombie apocalypses and what I would do, how I would guard the house, how would I, you know, all this kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff, what kind of safety measures can I put in place to prepare? It's just ridiculous. But um, Have you actually prepped? Have you like got a few things kind of kicking about? <laughs> Uh, got weapons in secret places yeah um no not yet i do have a zombie um book tells you the basics but you know what though i just zombies come in all different forms you know we cannot prepare for just one specific kind of zombie you know and all the zombie films, they, they all have different kind of features. So it depends what kind of zombies are coming for us, you know? You don't want the ones well, that spread. Yeah, you know the ones in like uh, World War Z that can literally run yeah. 50 miles an hour? Uh, no thanks. <laughs> that We'd was, that was shot in Glasgow, wasn't it? George Square. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I remember going to see that actually, um, going to George Square and seeing all the yellow taxis. Um, that was so cool. Is that where um, the fear stems from? No, I don't think so. I think I've always just had a fear of um, intruders. I, I don't know what it is. I, I remember we had this um, holiday in Spain. We stayed in this house that had glass windows all the way round. The family friend we were staying with mentioned how there was burglaries around that area. I just thought, how on earth are we going to cope with that? Glass, windows. And one night, a, a window did shatter. And we all thought, oh my God, intruder. I just, that fear is, oh my goodness. How old were you? It was actually fat. I think I was... I was in probably second, third year high school. Um, <laughs> I thought if you, that's so, older than I thought. I thought if you'd been like six or seven, I was like, this is we're tracing back the route of the fear. But so no. that's <laughs> yeah, I don't know where the maybe that's where it, maybe that's when it started. No, I don't know when it started. At least you can see them coming if you've got glass windows, though. Yeah, I don't want to see them coming though. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I'm just scared. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's funny that. <laughs> you have this kind of fear of being physically people kind of intruding and coming into your space, mm. but emotionally mm-hmm. you seem quite comfortable with completely putting yourself out there in your music. Is that because you're in control? Mm. Is part of it this idea of being out of control? No, I think I, I have been very terrified. You know, this whole process of releasing music hasn't really been, it's been challenging in some ways. I think you have to let go of this idea that I'm releasing revealing my whole self to the to the world um i think it's important to remember that we are sharing fragments of our ourselves and yeah and they are magnified in some way um but i think it's important to kind of not think about things that way too much because i think i would go a bit mental (laughs) if i saw it that way it kind of ties back into company car a little bit as well like that feels like the song on the ep where more than any of them you're kind of putting yourself out there and opening up mm. a part i guess it's because it's about coming to terms mm-hmm. with a part of yourself mm-hmm. yeah yeah that song again maybe because uh, well not all the lyrics are difficult to understand but i feel like a few people have asked what the chorus lyrics mean maybe that 
relates back to me not being particularly particularly direct um, and kind of hiding <laughs> behind metaphors. Um, but yeah, that song, I suppose, is quite revealing. We were speaking as well about, you know, the house a few moments ago before we went on the burglar tangent. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was watching the video of you, I think it was for Tune, where you were performing Always Lovely down by like the Docks and Govan. Mm-hmm. And you were actually speaking about your... You spoke about your grandfather in it, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was watching the clip yeah. you shared on Parkinson. Oh yeah, yeah. What are your kind of memories of him and how he kind of informed you as a person and kind of impacted you? He was just such a positive energy. He loved music. Yeah, in, in um, that same interview, I don't know if if you saw it, but he spoke about the world of music and talking about how it's not always accessible for everyone when he was really young he didn't have the chance to really fulfill that love for music and explore the world of music because of his um circumstances being a a working class kid and that really is was very emotional and he yeah he loved music he always encouraged me yeah i feel very fortunate for my situation in that respect and I think, yeah, he was a real voice for people. Do you think you would have kind of had that gratitude for your situation in that perspective had it not been for him? I definitely think that it, I definitely think that it helped me gain more of an understanding of what it can be like, uh, just because it's so close to home. My mum as well uh, speaks a lot about it and feels passionately, passionately about the topic. So I've always been quite exposed to stuff like that. Uh, so maybe it, it, that was because of my family's kind of political background. Were you, are you quite close with your family? Were you kind of close with your family growing up? Incredibly. Yeah, very much so. I, as I said, I, I do think, you know, regardless, I would feel thankful for this. I feel thankful to have music in my life and to have the family that I do and to be able to do what I love and express myself in the way that I'm, I'm able to at the moment is I, I feel very, very grateful for. Do you think part of the reason that you're able to kind of express yourself openly in art is because you had that foundation there with them? The way that you were able to be open with them when you were so close with them growing up, does that kind of give you a bedrock that you can build upon in order to be open with other people and kind of put yourself out there a bit? I think so. My parents um, and my family have always been very encouraging I think ultimately believed in me and thought it was something I could actually do with my life. You know, I had to, I I studied philosophy and economics for all of six months um, at Glasgow Uni. And that was a scary decision to drop out and just be like, fuck it, I'm I'm going to do music. And I was very thankful that my parents actually supported that decision so yeah I'm very grateful was that decision purely because of music or were you just not enjoying it anyway it was uh, probably a, a mix of both I do think that I wasn't quite ready to jump into that world yet I think I wanted to do it because I felt I should rather than having a real genuine interest for it 
which um yeah i think i feel way more interested in pursuing an education in in other topics more now and probably even more so in the next couple of years but at the time i wasn't ready to go into that world i was spending my days in bars jamming with people (laughs) and just gigging and hanging around musicians and that was my life that was my passion I didn't want to do or think about anything else um yeah you're learning a lot from that though and probably learning things that you can apply to your life in a very direct way whereas economics and philosophy maybe feel a little bit more outstretched Mm -hmm. and it's I've it's meant that I've been able to meet so many great people who have similar interests and passions so no i i wouldn't i wouldn't take that decision back Is there anything that you learned about yourself through making this ep that surprised you now that i'm on the other end of it i've learned to not be too picky and hard on myself that was definitely something i was guilty of overthinking things trying to micromanage everything that I was doing on social media or musically and yeah I think I've just let myself be a wee bit more after this process just not taking everything too seriously it's it's okay (laughs) um you know it's it's fine and I understand why I got worked up and everything because as we've said it's a scary process releasing music into the world putting anything out into the world is scary I think I've learned to just be a wee bit more relaxed about about things. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 